You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Yes, which way, what, when, how? Mr. Auto D flip the track right now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this lovely Monday evening in March. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, broadcasting live from Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network Studios, high above Camelback Road in Phoenix, Arizona. And this evening, my guest is the number one Michael Buble tribute artist worldwide with over 500 corporate, public, and private shows across the world. And he's currently in the studio working on an original piece of music, which we are not going to play for you tonight. <laughs> But we'll be the first to debut it, maybe if I can twist his arm a little bit. His name is Scott Keogh, and Scott uh, will be with me in just a moment after this song, which is a cutoff of my last CD, and I dedicate this to my super fan in Germany, Britta, who uh, just sent me a bunch of Easter candy from Germany, and man, that chocolate is awesome over there compared to our chocolate. But uh, this is a tune off of Amusing, and the song is called Fake It Till You Make It.
You're listening to R.O.D. coming at you live. And that was Fake It Till You Make It from my last CD entitled Amusing here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you by Trattoria Di Amico in Awatuki, an authentic Italian restaurant where you will often find me right after the show, just north of Warner Road on the west side of I-10. So stop in and tell them Auto sent you. And in the meantime tonight, let's bring on our guest, Scott Keogh. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, first off, Otto, thank you for having me, and sure. thank you for playing my favorite Otto D song. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, no problem, no problem. It's always weird <laughs> to hear your own songs, but it's fun, fun to uh, hear in the headphones. It's been a while, and um, you're you're doing all kinds of things. But first, let's start with this. You, how do you get um, to be the worldwide leading worldwide tribute artist? I mean, is there not a lot of Michael Bublé's out there? Or are there a bunch? Or where does that come from? Uh, there is not a bunch. Um, and they're all kind of concentrated in England. Ah, the majority of all Bublé uh, tribute artists reside somewhere in the UK. Um, they love them there. Uh-huh. Uh, I, if, have if you I, been over to play in England? I have not. I've oh, gone okay. to Europe, but we didn't stop by England. Um, and the concentration of Buble tribute artists are in Europe mainly. It's a couple in the States, and there's a couple in Canada, mm-hmm. and maybe one or two in Australia. But his big countries are uh, England first, uh, Canada second, believe it or not, mm. Australia third, Spain fourth, and the U.S. is fifth. Okay, now when you say his countries, you mean in terms of uh, uh, his audience? Po- his, uh, yeah, his audience, his popularity. Okay, you didn't mean in terms of numbers of, tra- of uh, artists, tribute artists. Yeah, yeah, it's just his numbers alone. Uh, the U.S. comes in fifth. That's pretty and amazing. And so um, they love big band in Europe. Mm-hmm. They're just, still? Still, yeah, they still love it. We've kind of gotten over it for the most part. And they, we have pockets of people across the, the country who still love and appreciate big band. Mm-hmm. But they're crazy for it still in Europe. Now, when you do a tribute artist show, uh, do you get to play with a big band? I do. Um, and the band size uh, size is it varies. I have seven pieces, my average, with three horns. Awesome. And I'm lucky sometimes to get a full symphony. Uh, so <laughs> that's got to be cool. It is. It can be cool, or it can be a nightmare if they're uh, if the charts are kind of wonky and you hear some bad parts. You know, it amplifies. Mm-hmm. But if it's if they're all on uh, on par with great players and great charts, and it's all coming together, there's nothing like the feeling of playing with uh, 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 energetic, lively big band. I bet it's a gas. It's a, it's uh, use an old word. Yeah, well, it's an old it's an it's an old <laughs> it's an old art form, big band. Yeah, <clears throat> and you do time travel back to the '60s in Vegas at the Sands Hotel, and you think you're there because mm-hmm. that's kind of where it originated with the Sinatra, um, Rat Pack. I mean, obviously it was before that with Glenn Miller, but I think what Sinatra did to it, <clears throat> excuse me, and what Bobby Darin did to it is they infused uh, a little bit of swings with buttery vocals and the combination of the two is what uh, started that whole era. Mm-hmm. When did you first hear that music? Well, I heard it when I was growing up, but I didn't love it or appreciate it until Buble did it. Um, that's when it really resonated for me. And mm-hmm. the light bulb just kind of lit off in my brain and said, this is music as pure as it gets. And it just it clicked for me at that mm-hmm. point. I understood why those songs were so precious, beautiful, and pure. I didn't get it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just because uh, I love Buble's voice, and that kind of led itself to um, to liking what he did. Right. And then he turned me on to all that big band music, which I just dove into headfirst. Mm-hmm. 
That's fascinating. Um, you know, it's it is a, it is something that you have to uh, probably really look at to get involved or get into, get moved by. And I know for me, it's like you were saying. Uh, I do a few Dean Martin tunes once in a while with an artist who asks me to sit in every time. So I had to go memorize them and learn them. And when you really listen and focus on the nuance of the style of, of how they sang against those tracks um, uh, and the rhythm that they use, and you really get aware, become aware of phrasing uh, to the degree that they used their phrasing and moved it around. It was really incredible stuff. It's a lot of fun. It's so much fun. And uh, I, I like all forms of music, but for some reason, big band just calls my name, especially live. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do that someday. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's overwhelming uh, to have that many uh, harmonies and instruments behind you. And it's hard to uh, explain that to people unless you've actually uh, been a part of it. Right. Now, where did you get all of your arrangements from when, you, when you're dealing with a big band? I mean, do you walk around with a massive book for, of charts for every band or every version of a band? Or how do you deal with that? So what I try to do is keep most of my shows to a seven-piece. And that keeps life a little easier. I still got my three horns. Mm -hmm. So even though it's not a full big band, we can pull off big band songs uh, to a degree. Mm -hmm. And so that keeps the charts a little lighter right there. And I have a a local MD that also does my charts for me. And he does have that big book. And when we do 10-piece or 13-piece or bigger, uh, he just either doubles them or throws some harmony parts in there. And then, yeah, the, the, the book gets a little bigger. But for the most part, he travels with it. He has a, a full suitcase filled with charts. Wow. It's like old school DJs with the crates of, <laughs> of albums. Yeah, really. Now, you're, you are based here in Phoenix. You live here. Phoenix is home base. Yeah. And, uh, but you aren't originally from Phoenix. No, I grew up in Southern California. Okay, well, tell me about that. Where were you born? Pomona, California. Okay. And uh, I grew up in the Inland Empire, about an hour from the beach. And mm-hmm. I tried to get to the beach as much as possible. Uh, and I loved it. Loved growing up in Southern Cal. It's a great place to live. It might be a bit overcrowded these days, but back then it didn't seem as bad. Right. And uh, I loved it. I had a really fantastic childhood. Um, and How big of a family? A bunch of brothers and sisters? or Extended family, very big. Uh, my dad has three brothers, mm-hmm. and from there they have all kinds of uh, aunts, uncles, cousins. So you had tons of cousins. Tons of cousins. Mostly everybody <clears throat> still living in Southern California at the time when you were growing up? Um, mostly, yeah. And then people started spreading out across the country. Mm-hmm. And we still have uh, every two years a big Keo family reunion. Wow. In fact, last year we had it at the Phoenix Open, <laughs> which is cool. wild. Yeah. That is wild. 100,000 people and Keos <laughs> on a Saturday. That's awesome. Now, um, did, so for you and music, when did, how did music <clears throat> come into your life? Uh, music, my mom would sing a lot um, and my sister would take piano lessons. So when I heard the piano being played, I liked it, but I didn't like her reaction to piano lessons. So I, I made a point at that what you, point. What do you mean? Well, she fought it. She didn't, she would, it was like going to school for her. I could just see the angst and so the pain. Hated it. Hated, it. Hated, hated doing piano lessons. And I thought, I don't want anything to do with piano lessons, but the piano looks pretty fun. Right. So I, I think I made a point at that point, four or five years old, to never learn sheet music and never, never, do the traditional way of piano music, mm-hmm. probably because watching her angst and, and disgust for having to take piano lessons. Right. So at the age of four or five, I quickly learned how to entertain the neighborhood by, by playing songs on the piano behind my back. Backwards. And backwards. And um, <laughs> it seemed to, to draw attention, which 
apparently I needed attention back then. That's what you find out you really liked more than the piano. The, huh? the attention, right. That's right. Pleasing people musically. Mm-hmm. Were you singing then too, I guess? I was. Uh, Elvis Presley's Hound Dog uh-huh. was my first uh, spastic, energetic song that I would roll out to the neighborhood. And uh, I didn't really even know who Elvis was. I just know that Hound Dog spoke my language. It was a fun song. It's a fun song. So uh, I don't know how old you are, uh, Scott. So did you have 45s back in the day? Um, you know what? I, I remember them. Okay. Uh, yeah, my folks had some 45s. And then they had, some, what was the other one, 33? Mm-hmm. Um, so they had, they had the big home stereo right. with, the, with the needle. And so I, I definitely am old enough to, to remember records. Mm-hmm. Did you have a record collection when you were young? So I started having tapes, cassette tapes. Okay, that's uh, really when you got into it. Right when I got into it. It was like <laughs> it was a time where people were phasing out eight tracks. Right. And then going into cassette <laughs> tapes with all the broken uh, I tape. remember that. I had them both, man. I had, we used to go, you know, you have to buy a car, and cars never came with anything but a simple radio back then. So you'd always buy a car, used or new or whatever. Then you'd go to the stereo shop and buy your eight-track player, your cassette player with the built-in radio and all the speakers and wire your own car. I mean, we all did that all the time. And I don't see that so much today. The install. Yeah, because <laughs> they come with everything. Um, that's now, how long were you in California? Did you, were you a teen in California as well? Yeah, all the way through high school and college and after that. And then uh, I moved around uh, a little bit and ended up in Phoenix in the late 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. Which folks, by the way, you guys can't see this studio that I'm in. But uh, the sunset just, just uh, set and you could see the entire Camelback mountain range. Beautiful studio, by the way, Otto. Oh, I wish it were mine. Yeah. Thanks to Dave Pratt. Thanks, and, Dave Pratt. Star Worldwide Networks. Yeah, it's a great space. Um, and a beautiful view. Yeah, totally. So I moved out here in the late 90s. And um, every year, I think I've liked Phoenix more. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much to appreciate, especially in the winter season. Mm-hmm. You know, our winter, which is basically most people's spring or fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It's just every year I find new ways to appreciate how cool this town is. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're working and performing, uh, would you say half your shows are in this area or less? Or less than half. Less? A fraction. Uh, I'm, I travel a lot for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll do the local show. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the progression has been, if you want me to start kind of going backwards. Would you please? So basically, um, I, 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 played, I played one-man bands and guitar uh, that's when I got my start. Was okay. just, uh, and I was here in Phoenix. Actually, is when um, I started playing professionally. Before then, in college, I asked uh, a professor. I said, "Listen, I don't want to take a whole semester of guitar." Here we go with. I don't want to learn how to play piano. I, just I, give me the cool I, stuff. Just give me the spe- speed uh, course. Really, yeah. just give me four chords. Yeah. And he gave me four chords, and I practiced them that day. And I went out, that day. I went out to a coffee shop called Drowsy Maggie's in San Diego, Point Loma. And played out my very first day after getting four chords. Right. And I sang like uh, Hotel California in four chords, uh, some Bobby Brown song in four chords. It was, a, it was a mess, but I had a blast doing it. Sure. So that's my start. And then fast forward to uh, one-man bands in Phoenix. I played guitar at a restaurant called Bobby McGee's. Uh, yeah, I know Bobby's. Bob Sikora. Yeah. And he used to own Lucky's. And yeah. so I played guitar from table to table. And I would take requests and play cover songs all night. And it was just a party. I, I didn't make great money, but they threw a lot of dollar bills in my way. Mm-hmm. And I, I just got addicted at that point. I said, this is my career, and I'm never not doing this. The whole concept of entertaining and having that audience. Absolutely. And my wife, Tracy, pushed me that way. She said, listen, you are so happy right now. Look what you're doing. 
keep doing that. And she, I, I really uh, credit her to uh, my career choice mm-hmm. because I was just playing around with it. I said, this feels great. But she said, no, you, you should keep doing that. So I did. And that led to becoming a wedding DJ. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, I decided that after playing uh, every night at a bar or at a restaurant, you know, that's nice and it's fun for a while. But vocally, I started tearing up my vocals mm-hmm. after four hours of singing. You know, that, that wears you down a little bit. Yeah. And um, so I needed a break. And wedding DJing seemed to have been that trick. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a number of years. And uh, a thousand weddings later is when I made the transition to where I'm at now. Uh, I actually heard the song Home by Buble, and it changed my entire life. So that was a, a pinnacle moment for me. Hearing Home, uh, first of all, the vocals resonated with me as if I was singing the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I needed to know more about this guy. And so I started doing research. Uh, I started watching YouTube videos uh, a little bit too much to the fact that my wife would come in the room and go, uh, should I be worried right now? Because <laughs> you seem to be a little obsessed over this dude. But you, but you're, you have that personality. You get obsessed. <laughs> get obsessed. I mean, you're, you're a detail, you know, probably OCD. I don't know, but certainly very detailed yeah. uh, individual. And uh, I mean, we've had an opportunity now w- to work on a couple things, uh, which we can talk about. But, but uh, the the level of attention that you spend to the to your process is incredible to me. Thank you. And I think that that's one of the things that's uh, a real reason why you've had the success you've had in what you're doing, is is because you will do what needs to be done, and that not only will you do what needs to be done, but you you're you're interested in it. You actually have a passion for figuring it out and moving it forward and getting something done. Yeah. Well, David Foster has a quote. He said that good is the enemy of great. And when you get complacent I with get that, yeah, when you get complacent with good, it's just going to always be good. And that, to me, when I heard Buble sing, I heard great. Mm-hmm. And I heard his attention to detail. And I figured, okay, if he can do that, I sound pretty close to him already without doing a couple tweaks. So when I do a couple tweaks, let's see how close I can get to this cat. And, um, it just kind of worked. Well, the, <clears throat> the transition from there was, okay, you like it? Let's dive into this whole thing. And then I dove into the whole big band situation. Well, I decided to just, just focus on one song. See if you can do this. And I did the song Everything. And I was, at, I was DJing a wedding one day. And I decided, let's just uh, let's sing this <coughs> cool. at a wedding. And let's see if anyone notices. And no one turned their head. So I'm like, okay, I'm onto something. They thought I just played that from my computer. Right. And instead I was singing it at a, at a cocktail hour during it for a wedding. Right. So I, I just said, okay, what's the next step? What's, what do we go from here? And I heard about this thing called uh, Tributes. Uh, and that, that time they were just starting to get kind of big. And I knew the show was called Legends in Concert. It's mm-hmm. in Vegas and it's in other places. And I did some research on them. And I realized, okay, if I'm going to do this, they're my first step. They're really my first jump. And I need to get in there. So this is going to entertain you probably, Otto. Uh, I, when I make a commitment to, to, uh, to an achievement, uh-huh. it's pretty drastic. And so <laughs> I, I knew I had to get there for my, for my resume, for my step, to build my chops. Because they do daily shows. They're in Vegas, Atlantic City, uh, Myrtle Beach, Hawaii. And they do daily shows. And you're in there for like three months, six months sometimes. And you can only get better if you decide to. Right. And I said, that's how I'm going to get better. There's no other way. <clears throat> so, 
every month I would send them an email and give them a phone call and give them an update. Okay, here's what I'm up to that now. I'm getting better. And then month number two, here's what I'm up to now. I'm getting mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, okay, okay. Month three, month four, month five, month six. This goes on, auto for 12 straight months. Wow, that's and I'm, awesome. <clears throat> and I'm patient and I'm calm. And I'd be willing to say that nobody else I know could say they've tried that hard, done that. 12 <laughs> yeah. months. They just kept banging the door. So on month 12, uh, it was Christmas time. It's December. And I called them up and I said, hey, guys. And they said, hey, Scott, how's it going? Well, <clears throat> here's the deal. I'm in your casino hotel right now. And do you, you know who's being played in the overhead music right now? And they go, uh, Michael Bublé. <laughs> I said, yep. They're like, yeah. All right, let's get you in for an audition. And I'm like, thank you. Because if you didn't, <laughs> I would have just stalked you outside your front door for like another 12 months. That's right. So let's just get this over with. So I auditioned and got the job on the spot. And they put me into Atlantic City for three months. And uh, This was your first time out there. First, first time, time really doing it. First time really doing it and, and build as a full show. Right. And right before that, I had worked it up for 12 months to book my first public show at Wild Horse Pass Casino. Um, and so here in, Arizona. here in Arizona in Chandler. And I did that show the night before I started my Atlantic City run. Oh, my goodness. So I had to pack and prepare for my very first full band, full audience show. And still that next morning fly to Atlantic City and start that whole new life. Wow. So that was a, a very changing moment for me and my wife, Tracy, where we decided, are we doing this? Because this is going to change everything if we do this. And she said, you got my full support. So off I went to Atlantic City where she came and visited me every single week or every other week at least. And uh, after that, it was Vegas for six months and then Canada and then Branson and then a couple other spots for legends. And I did that. And I, I set myself a goal. Let's just do this for two years. And I did it for two years. And, mm-hmm. then, my, and then I decided to hit the next step. Okay. So I hit the pause button after two years and said, all right, I, I, I've done this and it's been amazing. Well, what's the next jump? And the next jump is where I'm currently at, which is corporate. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds to me like you got in a lot of hours on stage in those two years. And that it takes that to learn the performing, to, to really work on the caricature that you're you know, presenting sonically and physically. How much talking do you do be, between songs and how much of that is part of the portrayal of Michael Bublé? Um, So that's a, a layered question. A, I talk as much as I possibly can. B, my wife Tracy limits it and says you're talking too much. And then C, the mixture with Bublé. He is quite the personality. He's... He, he's um, he is a handful, to say mm-hmm. the least. Mm-hmm. And he's got to reel it in because he grew up playing in hardcore bars where he could swear like a sailor. Right. So when he does a full show for people who dress up in evening gowns and tuxedos, he needs to reel it back because his natural state is just to go for it right. and tell you know, a little um, you know, off-color jokes. So that's what he, that's what his, his core is. I'm not quite that extreme when it comes mm-hmm. to that, but I do love comedy. Mm-hmm. And so I do enjoy uh, the perfectly timed um, wording between songs to make the audience laugh and to get them on board to engage, but then to go back and let the music do the talking also. Mm-hmm. So it's that fine balance where I, I definitely want to talk enough to where uh, they know a little bit about me. They get to know me. I get to open up. And when I do a show, Otto, when I do a public show, everyone gets to know all about me. I, I'm, I'm completely transparent 
and I never give more than when I'm on stage. And then when I get off, I'm a little private. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I think I should give you a second to catch your breath and take a drink, and let's spin a, let's spin a track. Let's do it. You are also a songwriter. Uh, you've done some original music. But before we go to your stuff, uh, since we've been talking about all this Michael Bublé, let's yeah. pick a tune to play. What should we play? Uh, I have do, a few here. Do you got uh, the My Baby Just Cares For Me? Yes, I do. So tell me a little bit about this. When was this recorded? So this is a tasty jam. Uh, Nina Simone made this popular. And then uh, Bublé did this recently on his most recent album. And I actually got to talk on the phone with the arranger of this actual song right here. Of, of, his re- of Michael's recording. Of Michael's version awesome. of this, exactly. And uh, in my, my personal opinion, it's the best arranged big band uh, song I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love this song. Probably currently my favorite song to do live. Cool. And you cut your vocal track against this arrangement? Exactly. Awesome. So here it is. Um, my baby just cares for me. Uh, sounding a little like Michael Bublé. Here is uh, Scott Keogh on the Auto D Show. My baby don't care for show My baby don't care for clothes My baby just cares for me My baby don't care for furs and laces My baby don't care for high tone places Brenda just ain't her style And even Mr. Cooney's smile Is something she don't see My baby don't care Who knows it My baby just cares For me Baby just cares for Oh, she just has her prayers for 
listening to Auto D coming at you live. And that was My Baby Just Cares For Me here on the Auto D Show by Scott Keogh. Scott, what an incredible track. Nice performance. Oh, that song makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm sitting here watching you play all the horn hits. You know, I know you love that arrangement. Do you recall the arranger's name? Oh, Not to put you on the spot, sorry. Yeah, I, give me, by the end of this interview, I'll remember it. Okay, perfect. But that seems like uh, such an, a great opportunity. I was wondering, how did you come about speaking to him about the track? Uh, through a mutual friend of mine, who a sax player that lives in L.A., uh, mm-hmm. This guy lives in L.A. also, and okay. they actually went to school together at USC. Mm-hmm. And so he says, hey, Scott, I got this friend. You should, you should hook, up, hook up with him and then uh, just talk. And at that point, I didn't even know he arranged for Buble. Mm-hmm. He just said he'd done some big band arrangements. And so I looked up his bio, and I said, what? <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> That's cool. So I got a chance to talk, to hang with him, and also with Alan Chang, who was uh, Buble's uh, MD and piano player mm-hmm. for his entire run since he met David Foster. Mm-hmm. And so Alan Chang is also a genius of big band arrangements as well. So I've, I've got to hang out with some cool. of the best. Well, and you've met David Foster. As I well. met David Foster. That story, I don't know how much time we have for that, but that's well, give an, me that's, a quick version. That's another couple hours auto. Give me a quick version. All right. The, the, the quick version is, um, he was doing he, every year. He does the biggest charity in the world, which is fight night. Right. And which just went by. Just yeah, every year, every year, every year in Phoenix, and you know a lot of people from LA, a lot of stars come out to that event, and they open up their wallets in a multi multi million dollar fashion. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I had Buble actually performed the year before, which I was in Canada at the time. Go figure mm-hmm. that. Okay. He's in my backyard, and I'm in his. <laughs> it's a weird thing. Then uh, the next year, I was determined to meet David because. Uh, I'm like, all right, I'm in, I'm in town, not doing anything. Let's go to this and see if I can meet him at Soundcheck. And I go to Soundcheck Auto, and uh, there's security guards at every door. I was going to say, wait a minute, don't just say you went to Soundcheck. How'd you get in? Okay, this is, I'm glad you're not skipping <laughs> this is, that This stuff. is part of the story that's, yeah. that people like, actually. So there's some big, like, bouncer-type people, at security in front of the doors. So I said, oh, okay, I'll just go to the kitchen. And so I went in the kitchen, because I'm familiar with the, the JW Desert Ridge Marriott, and uh, usually that's the best way into <clears throat> ballrooms is the kitchen. So I went in the kitchen and walked around for a while. Boom, I'm in. So now uh, there's Reba McIntyre and Kelly Clarkson and Josh Groban. They're all, you know, warming up and getting ready to do their sound checks. I'm like, well, if I don't meet David, this is cool. So I'm just <laughs> hanging out watching their sound checks. And uh, he didn't show up. So I left. And as I'm walking out through the hallway, there's David by himself. So now I got some one-on-one time with one of my idols. And I said, hey, David, I'm Scott Keogh, and I just, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's an honor to meet you, and I want to thank you for doing what you do to allow me to do what I do. And he goes, oh, really? Well, what is it you do? <laughs> what a great setup. You I did. did. He had to. What else could he have said? He was trapped. Uh, I said, I do a Michael Bootbite tribute. He's like, no way. I, all right. Well, tell you what. If you can find a way in tonight, uh, I've been known to call on local talent to bring you up on stage. Uh, so if you can get in here, let's do it. Uh, so I said, all right, I'll see you tonight, David. <laughs> So I, I called in a favor of a friend of mine, and he said, all right, I'll see what I can do. He calls me back 20 minutes later and says, uh, I got you in. And here's, here's your placard. You're just you're table seven. Just chill. <laughs> just pretend like you're rich. That's right. Just, just shut up until <laughs> I call on you. Let people talk about their businesses. Sure enough, David calls me up, and um, he, he says, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's do feeling good. And he says, you only get 30 seconds. And you only get the third step. I'm not going to put you on stage. So I get 30 seconds. He starts playing feeling good. We do 30 seconds of feeling good. And the crowd gets into it. Right. 
And now he's like, like Johnny Carson. He's like, come on up. Let's go. And they keep playing the song. <laughs> right. So now I get two more verses with David and band right. who have didn't rehearse this. It's all improv. They all start jumping in. They now. all just jump yeah. right in. Yeah. And it's getting wild. I see Reba in the front standing up. I see uh, Russell Wilson from the Seahawks just standing up and dancing to it. So now I've got like this audience into right. it. That's cool. Which, by the way, I follow, I follow Josh Groban. So, well, wow. <laughs> right? That's, that's career suicide, usually. You shouldn't do that. No. I don't recommend that. No. But the same token, he did three ballads, which right. kind of the room brought was... Brought the room down. Brought the room down. Yeah. And, and then, so I said, I'll bring him back up. Right. Let's, let's do this. And so it was a... It was that a, had to be a high point. Very high point. Uh, yeah. It was... I look back at that as how cool was that mm-hmm. moment. And So now you and Dave just hang out now, right? Me and Dave hang out and eat, eat <laughs> chocolate on the weekends. But did he not uh, give you uh, some feedback? He did. He said... And at the end of the song... He goes, wow, that was really good. Pooblet, you better watch your back. <laughs> That's pretty good. But then he followed it with, but something as good as the arrangement. <laughs> it's course, my arrangement. Of course. That is funny. That is funny. Yeah. So what have you got uh, coming up? I'm glad you asked. Uh, so folks out there in radio internet land, uh, me and Otto are actually coming together on one song where he's producing and engineering uh, one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, and here's the, here's the, here's the lowdown that people don't know about us is that, uh, I came to auto eight years ago to produce a song and he did a marvelous job. It's a song called all to you. And take to, that David, take that David. I have my own super producer. I have my own hitman. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> don't take it too hard though, David. If you want to yeah. work with me, I'm, I'm still open. You can, yeah. He's open. I can co-produce. I don't, so anyways, uh, I took this song to Otto. I wrote a song for my mom called All To You, and he turned it into a polished project that sounded amazing. And ever since then, that's been my one, my one hit wonder. Uh, and it's played at weddings across the, the U.S.-speaking world every single weekend for the mother-son dance. And so I get emails and uh, I get comments on YouTube all the time about how uh, it has affected you know, the mom and the son at their wedding and how much emotion they got to feel from that song. So I did that with Otto and had a great time doing it. And it's just been, and of course, by the way, my mom appreciates that too. So she thinks okay. she was well. Awesome. You're welcome. Yeah. Made, made her Mother's Day. <laughs> I bet. And uh, so that was eight years ago. I've written lots of songs since then, and I've done a lot of things, and I've really grown as an artist. Uh, I, I, I took it serious. At that time, I just was flying by the seat of my pants. And since then, I really kind of dug into this whole thing called music artistry. And I've been writing songs and producing them myself for the most part. I've been working with a few other people, but really, original, original songs speaking, mm-hmm. I haven't really done a masterpiece like All To You until this current song, which is called Beautiful Memory. And that's the reason why this is the second time I'm working with Otto, is because I just didn't think that I deserved to bring Otto a song that was nothing less than great. And I just, that's just well, speaking from the heart. I appreciate that. That's an awesome compliment. And it was funny because when you called me to do this song, I'm like, yeah, I remember your name. Where have you been? How long has it been? It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's been eight years. Okay. Well, I, I went out, I went out welcome and, and, home. And thank you. I went out and uh, worked hard to, to kind of, I see yeah. at that time I, I looked, I, I just didn't feel like I was part of the industry. Mm-hmm. And now I, I finally do. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I've grown so much in that time that it's, it's comfortable now me approaching you to do a song together that I, cause I know how 
what a good ear you have. Mm-hmm. And when you hear something that, that's pleasing to your ears, I'm, I'm like, okay, that's, who I, that's the song I want to bring to you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this song is. It's a song I wrote for my daughter. And um, ironically enough, it has to do with weddings again, which I haven't written a song about weddings since all to you. But I'm, I'm your wedding guy. I'm your you, wedding you're my producer. wedding guy. Yeah. You're my wedding guy. And what happened was I wrote a song uh, about the occasion of the father-daughter dance. So since I wrote the, the groom-mom dance, I had bunch of, uh, tons of people saying, why don't you write a song about the father-daughter dance? And I would, mm-hmm. My rebuttal was, I'm not a daughter to a father. I, how, I can't relate to that. Right. And then my daughter got married recently. And when she did, and I had my first dance with her, I understood the whole process. Mm-hmm. And so now the words came flowing to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a really special song. And we're, me and Otto are in the process. We're working on it right now. And I am thrilled to death of the direction that this is going. Good, good. I, I have been really impressed with uh, your voice in the studio. Um, your pitch control is incredible. And tonally, I can see the impact that your Michael Buble career has had on your voice, too. There's a couple of vowels, a couple of sounds. It's like, oh, there's Michael peeking <laughs> yeah, through, you know. Right. Um, and it's, but it just sounds great. And, and uh, as a writer as well, I think it's a, it's a really, really good song. So it's always an honor for me to have somebody bring something to me and, and trust me to kind of flesh it out and color it up in a sense. So it's always, you know, a complete honor for me. And I'm thrilled to be part of it again. So thanks for coming in. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And um, let's play another uh, one of your cuts so people can hear you sing some more. So what would you like me to spin? Well, I wrote a song also about my wife, Tracy, uh, several years ago. Okay. And it's called It's All About You. Okay. And then that's a fun little big band poppy song that uh, out the gate, I just wanted to do something that I could bring to some of my shows and do an original song besides All To You. Cool. And this is one that I pop into some of my live shows. Now, you mentioned that this is a big band track. It's a big band feel to it. Um, it, it can get bigger. Uh, what you hear is probably like a 10 piece. But I, I get, Are these, I, so you hired guys and who, who did the charts for the two? Uh, actually, Steve McCarville did yeah. the charts and he also did most of the instruments cool awesome so uh this is something people can buy online yeah that's on itunes it's on itunes and it is called it's all about you yes from scott keogh here on the auto d show ever since the day that you walked my way i can't stop thinking of my sweet little Oh, it's all about you And there's nothing I can do Everywhere I go, want you by my side You're in my heart, always on my mind Just thinking about you Like the ocean blue Our love grows and it grows But it's still brand new It's all about you Everything and all the joy that you bring, girl, you're the reason that I see. Always on stage, you're catching a play. No matter where I'm going, it's always the same. Dreaming of you, and there's nothing I can. Come and go, you're the only one 
And that was It's All About You by Scott Keogh here on the Auto D Show. Great track. And you say you wrote that for your wife. Yes, she I She must did. have loved that. You know what the funny thing, there's some lyrics in there. She did love it. And she liked the song overall. And she does enjoy the fact that I get to write songs all about her all the time. Because she's a big inspiration to obviously romantically, uh, spiritually, and emotionally. I get to, to draw from our experience to write a lot of my music. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's happy. So, I mean, sometimes happy doesn't sell well because it's, it doesn't pull from anything, you know, emotional that that's too deep, but it really is fun to write for her. And that was a cool song to, uh, some of the lyrics in there I, I was, was prophecy. Uh, I said, always on stage and catching a plane. I wasn't then. <laughs> right. I am now. <laughs> so it was like, I kind of called that into the future. You just saw it happen and saw it coming. Yeah. So have you ever met Michael Bublé? Almost. Almost. Uh, yeah, I was supposed to meet Michael in Vegas. Uh, it was all arranged by a mutual friend of ours. Uh-huh. And he got pulled away last minute, for as people of that magnitude tend to do. Yeah. As, you know, press There release. are things more important there than are... meeting some kid who wants to meet you who likes to try to sing like you. Exactly. What, what does he have? So. Exactly. So it didn't happen, but if it never happens, I'm okay with that. Cool. Um, you know, I got to meet David. I got to meet Alan. And I got the guy's name. Jason Goldman is oh. the arranger in L.A. Oh, there you go. Cool. Perfect. That's fantastic. Shout out to him. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, you said something earlier, and I kind of I let it go. You, you said that um, you, your wife kind of pushed you on this path. Yeah. So what were you doing? Did you have a job? Were you working a regular job? Did you go to school and get a degree in something? Uh, I went to school, but I didn't graduate. Okay. And so uh, what I did was I had my first marriage. Okay. which kind of derailed me from entertainment. Okay. Uh, I did real jobs at that, at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind that bore me personally. Like uh, being uh, lifeguarded at Huntington Beach, California. That was before, yeah, that was a teenager. <laughs> okay. that, that was uh, 18, 19, and 20. Okay. That was a fun job, actually. Tell me about being a, a, uh, a process server on a company scooter. A little dangerous, uh, both on the road and when you meet grumpy people. <laughs> yeah, 
Here, you're, you're, you're served. Get back here. Would you like me to sing a song for you? Yeah, right? Exactly. So I did, I did some odd jobs, car sales. Um, and then when I was in Phoenix, I actually worked at, back then it was called the Regal. I think it's the Millennium now. And that's where I met my wife, Tracy. Mm-hmm. And so I was working just a, sort of a nine to five job, still kind of fun, but outside of my, my, uh, my passion, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And so she recognized that. And when she saw that I, how much fun I had in entertaining people, she said, you're just natural at that. Yeah. Keep doing that. Exactly. Now, uh, speaking of entertainers, you have mentioned to me that you were a big fan of uh, a number of groups out of Phoenix, uh, not realizing they were Phoenix bands when you were in California. And one in particular was uh, the Gin Blossoms. Oh yes, love love me some Gin Blossoms. Uh, something about Robin's vocals, his his smooth, the way he he um, he brings his smooth voice to a, a southern rock, a little bit of a whiny feel to that to that music. It's just perfect, and it, it just it reached me. And it's to this day, I Hey Jealousy is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Allison Road, um, it, it's just everything that they've done, in my opinion, is just something that I would do. That's how, I think that's how I find I like music. That's how I would do that. Right. And the Gin Blossoms, and I didn't know they were from Phoenix. So I thought, I, I just assumed they were from L.A. Right. That's where I was living at the time. And I've got to see them several times since. And Robin's a nice guy. Bill, Jesse, great crew. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned a, lo- a number of other bands that you were a f- that you were familiar with out of Phoenix back in the day. Yeah, you mentioned Dead Hot Workshop, Dead Hot Workshop, uh, Pistoleros, Peacemakers, Refreshments, all those that crew had that Jim Blossom sound to it. Yeah, it was a neat time. It was a neat time. And then, who are some other artists that uh, you would say that you um, inspire you today? Today, uh, you mean from the past or are currently uh, still doing? Who's it? out today that you kind of admire that you think are really really Bruno cool? Mars. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. Uh, he's he's not from this planet. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> he's really great. He's uh, he's got to be some partially alien because yeah. I, I saw him live. I was about seventeen rows back, and the guy just doesn't mess up. He mm-hmm. he hits. I, I I'm a big fan of pitch, and I fall out of pitch every single show, uh, and I know I do. Well, you're gonna miss a few. Notes. Gonna miss a few yeah. notes. He doesn't. Right. That's the thing is that that's why he's not human. He doesn't miss notes. He, he's in the pocket 100% of the time, and he's got that special Michael Jackson. That Michael Jackson also had it. That just, that I'm a little better than everybody else. And I'm not saying I am, I just know I am. Right. And Bruno knows that. And he, he's got to know that because yeah. just watching him, you know, he's, I, I think he's this, this generation's Michael. Mm-hmm. And I, I just watching him, I, I could watch him all day, every day. <laughs> You mentioned uh, Colby Calais on, a, on an email to me as one of the artists that you like as Beautiful. well. Beautiful. Yes. I love the, the song uh, I Do. Mm-hmm. And um, she, has, she has a beautiful way of delivering vocals. Uh, mm-hmm. Like just Michelle Branch is, is another one that comes mm-hmm. to mind. Uh, just Cheryl Crow. Uh, just a certain type of... I'm, I'm drawn to just vocal perfection and melodic. Mm-hmm. And they all seem to have that. Cool. Uh, is there a website where people can get a hold of you if they want to kind of follow you? Yes, it is. Uh, S-C-O-T-T-K-E-O, scottkeo.com. And it's not thescottkeo.com. I'm it's working on that. Scott Keo. They're actually, I think I bought the rights to it. It's just someday I'm going to be bold enough to unveil, uh, to unveil mm-hmm. thescottkeo.com. Um, my friends tease me about it. Like, you should totally do that. Because when you say the word the in front of someone's name, it seems to emphasize their importance, like the auto D. But when you call yourself the, 
then it's self then it's, then it's self-gloss you don't like that at all no. it comes off let as just them do it. let them do it so uh how about uh, your career in terms of performing have you ever done the cruise ship gigs mm-hmm. have you been out on the boats doing all that stuff it's been a long time though since I've done that. Was uh, that an experience you enjoyed or, or no? I love cruise ships. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't want to stay in there longer than a week or two because mm-hmm. it takes you out of the game. Right. So if I can do fly-ons, if I can do one week, I'm, I'm totally down with that. The right. problem is sometimes the contracts last a month or two or three, mm-hmm. and then you're, you get pulled out of the corporate gigs, which is you know often profitable. Mm-hmm. And cruise ships are fun, but it's also... You know, uh, it, you, it's a balance. Do you end up with a smaller uh, band usually on the cruise ships and background tracks more? Or? Uh, sometimes they can fit in seven in there. It, it, when you it have depends. a seven-piece band, do you also have tracks or no? No, no. Do you ever work with tracks I do. anymore? I do. Uh, I, in fact, um, what, a lot of my corporate dinner shows are me, tracks, and, tracks. and a sax player and a keyboard player. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of um, filling in for what the track doesn't have, and the track fills in for what they don't have. Sure. So, and they give that that extra live element to it. Mm-hmm. I I really don't like doing just track shows. I like to have at least one or two live musicians with me, just to just to balance out that live feel. And also, what am I supposed to do during the solos? <laughs> so I know it's real awkward. I hate doing I hate doing solo shows where I, tracks are not where I'm just playing guitar and singing because I'm not like some guitar player's guitar player. You know, I kind of play the chords. So when it comes to the solo, I really just keep playing the chords and go imagine the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say he's almost done. Everyone, close your yeah, eyes. Yeah. Oh, it sounds so good. Okay, now here comes the next verse. Yeah, because I don't know what the heck to do. I'm not going to try and be all fancy and do something I can't do. But uh, it's, was, it's fun to play. I feel that I was the same way. I used to when I did uh, Bobby McGee's. I also sing it Bahama Breeze back then, mm-hmm. and I would do that same thing. And I'm like, okay, solo time. Let's just get creative with these chords. Exactly. You can mess around or, or tell jokes. You know. And speaking of telling jokes, you talked about telling a little, using a little comedy in your show. So, uh, and not just singing. So you have a, a thought about that in terms of a whole package. Yeah, I I, I fascinate um, over comedians and comedy in general. I think you always love what you can't do. And so stand-up's tough. Stand-up is probably the toughest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, entertainmently, I, I, just, I, don't, I can't imagine something harder than stand-up comedy. Yeah. And when they perfect it, it's, it's something to marvel at because mm-hmm. they're pure just genius up there making people laugh. And if you and me got up there and said the same lines, mm-hmm. maybe half the jokes would work, maybe half wouldn't. But they work all the time for them because they, they, they're masters of it. And they were born funny. Yeah, you know, I'm, I was born with a level of funniness, usually by mistake. Right. People laugh at me when I try not to be funny. Right. But when I do, it's limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know my I know my range. So, but you take a bit of that um, <clears throat> comic timing into your dialogue in between songs. I do. You don't I, necessarily I, tell jokes, but you zingers, zingers, one-liners. Sure. You know, to 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 tag uh, the last thing I said before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say something like, "All right, folks, I've got." I think I got some CDs for sale um, on the back. Uh, we have a special going on. We have one for five and two for 75. So take advantage of that. And so just little one-liners, mm-hmm. zingers, all like, and it, it, it works a limited, you know, for it gets the job done to connect with the audience mm-hmm. and give them a little break between, between besides just song, 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 song. Mm-hmm. It breaks it up and it, it, it gets them involved. When you're home and not on the road, what are you doing? <clears throat> you're a gardener? Oh, no. Painter? Bowler? <laughs> okay, so... Uh, do you have a bunch of kids at home? There, no, well, here, here's my main thing I do, uh, is I am addicted to projects. So I'm always working on the next project. Mm-hmm. And then for my... And I work out every day for like 
as short a time as possible, usually 30 to 35 minutes. Uh, I swim mm -hmm. and then I do some weights. On Sundays, though, I've been playing sand volleyball, competitive sand volleyball, okay. twos, threes, fours, for the last 12 years or longer uh, with the same group of people. Wow. Yeah. So that's been a, a, a constant for the, for the last... Here in town? Uh, yeah, North Phoenix. Where the heck do you go? So Anthem. Okay. Yeah, Anthem has a, a nice court with great sand and a net, and it's right by a pool. So even when it gets hot, you, you play a game and then jump in the pool. Interesting. Yeah. So you said twos, threes, and fours. What does that mean? Is that the size of the teams? Two on two, three on three, okay. four on four. You see, I play a lot of sand volleyball. I can, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I watched it on TV for about 10 seconds one time. <laughs> I've never actually played. Yeah, that's been uh, – and Tracy, too. She joins, she joins me with that. And that's been our activity for many, many years. And then we love to travel. We love going – so travel takes me – you know, my job takes me on the road, mm -hmm. and Tracy goes to all the cool places. Mm -hmm. Cool. Do you have a couple shows coming up in the near future that we could talk about or no? I have one in Vegas coming up, but I, I want to promote this one. It's a very cool and special show. Okay. Um, it is Mother's Day Sunday. So it's okay. May 13th, and it's in Ontario, California. And I don't do a lot of public shows. I do a, a lot of corporate private events, mm -hmm. but this one's public. And my mom's going to be in the audience, and I get to do All to You. Awesome. With a seven-piece band live while they have a Mother's Day brunch. That's going to be fun. So all my friends from high school and college I haven't seen for years. It's, going to be like, it's like a homecoming. Cool. And so that people can buy tickets to that? It's online right now at uh, Ontario Convention Center. Ontario Convention Center yeah, dot. Just, just, or, oh, just Google com, that. Just Google that and you'll find it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, uh, it's been great having you come in and spend some time with me today talking about all this stuff and catching up. Like, auto, like always, Otto, uh, time flies when we hang out. You know, we could talk for hours and hours and hours, no doubt. So uh, if you want to hunt down Scott, go to scottkeo.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-K-E-O.com. I hear he's not much for social media, so don't go looking for him on Facebook. For <laughs> Terrible at it. I asked him what his Instagram uh, handle was. He didn't know. He tried to log in. It took him 10 minutes to go. You know, I don't, I'm not sure. It's like, okay, no problem. So uh, but check him out online. And uh, thanks for coming in, man. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. All right, take care.